Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone who's interested in growing sales. Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by the Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program. Are you looking to experience a breakthrough in your team's sales? Have you tried sales training in the past, but were unable to make it stick? The Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program is a year-long engagement that combines sales and leadership training, a digital sales playbook, and a coaching and accountability process that will change your sales culture and drive sustained growth. You can learn more at criteriaforsuccess.com. Throughout the month of September, we've been writing and talking about learning and discovery at Criteria for Success. You can check out our blog for best practices, information, and advice for you and your team. In this CFS Talks Sales Roundtable, we'll be talking about creating a learning culture. I hope you enjoy today's discussion. This is Elizabeth Frederick. I'm the Operations Officer and Senior Advisor. And with me today, I have our Marketing and Sales Coordinator, Arianna Miskell. She, um, <laughs> I wanted to say hi. <laughs> Thank you, Arianna. She recently wrote an ebook called Learning Culture, Why a Learning Culture is Important and How to Create One in Your Sales Organization organization. So she literally wrote the book on this. She's our expert. Then we have our director of marketing, Rebecca Toomey. Hello. And as always, our CEO, Charles Bernard. Hello. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. You can find the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod85. That's where we're going to put all the resources and things that we'll talk about today. So we're talking about creating a learning culture. So I want to actually get started um, by not necessarily talking about creating it, but just in general, starting with the why. Why do you think it's important for organizations, um, specifically sales organizations, because we are talking sales, to have a learning culture? I can't wait to answer this because I have <laughs> I have some stats. All right. Stats. Oracle cited a study by Burson and Associates that was titled High Impact Learning Culture, the 40 Best Practices for Creating an Empowered Enterprise, right? right? Here are the statistics. Organizations that have learning cultures, high impact learning cultures, are 32% more likely to be first to market, 37% greater employee productivity, 34% better response to customer needs, 26% greater ability to deliver quality products, and 58% more likely to have skills to meet future demand. Gotta love those stats. Gotta that love those good. stats. Love the numbers. And, and it's almost like you learned and sought information. <laughs> oh, I did learn. As you can see, learning cultures definitely have great power and They have potential. what it takes. Absolutely. That really leads into kind of what I was thinking about. When I think about learning culture, I just think about the importance of making decisions as organizations look to grow. Um, every time you're trying to grow, you're making decisions. Are we going to go down this path or another path? Even just, are we going to hire this person? Are we going to invest in the system or process? And if you have a learning culture, you have a culture that values feedback communication. Um, it avoids hierarchy. It's all about seeking information to make the best decisions. Definitely. And that's going to help you grow. It also really impacts you um, from a personnel perspective, because in a learning culture, people are motivated to seek out information to learn and grow. And then specifically, when you when you think about sales, um, you want to sell based on solving problems. And if you know what customers need, what customers want, um, what they're thinking about, that's information that will help you better sell to them. So it's all about thinking about information, looking for accurate information, and that helps you make better decisions as an organization. Definitely. Kind of a long-winded answer. <laughs> yeah, that was, um, you touched on a lot of points, and I think I'm going to follow up, and I'm going to keep it pretty simple and kind of just talk to the fact that having a learning culture on sales teams makes a very competitive environment, a lot more collaborative. Um, it 
for the simple fact that employees are a lot more likely to learn from each other and grow and uh, share their best practices with one another. Definitely. That's so important. It's all good stuff. Absolutely. So I think the most important is transferring knowledge, meaning that's what really helps empower learning cultures. So transferring knowledge could be institutional knowledge, best practices, new person arrives, you're in a learning culture, that person can come up to speed really quickly. And I don't think it's one person that's responsible for doing that alone. Could be, um, it, it could be a task or several tasks or even a process that's spread across the entire team. Yeah, and that's really, when you think about a learning culture, it's all, the whole culture is invested in, um, in being a part of the process. And that's so incredibly important. Thank it you, Makes everybody better. Definitely, yeah. definitely. And anytime you have that kind of shared value, that shared investment, um, that's something everybody can buy into, which Absolutely. is always important. Mm -hmm. So um, speaking of kind of examples and stories, we always love to share stories and stories are just such a powerful way to learn and grow. And so I'd love to hear each of us share a story of where we've seen organizations um, create a learning culture. Why don't we start with you, Ariana, because you just wrote the book on this. So I'll go first. Um, <laughs> I, and I just have to say, I'm so distracted by the screaming that is going on outside. I don't know if anyone can hear that or if people in the podcast can hear that. It's probably but. the airline. The, remember the screamer? The guy? They closed that <laughs> office. They closed, they the closed office. it? I yeah. think the screamer's effect was too much for them. So. <laughs> yeah. There was an airline that's apparently this guy did not like American Airlines. Wasn't it American Airlines? He protested it every day for years by screaming incoherently outside their office. Right, which right is downstairs. Right downstairs from us. Like so. old school social media. They just do it out. <laughs> Word of screen. mouth marketing. Yeah. I don't know effect. what this guy's yelling, but me neither. But it's just another anyway. day in New York. So I'll get I'll get to it. And I'm going to start by talking about the um, learning culture that we have at Criteria for Success, which I've mentioned probably a thousand times in my ebook and on my actual podcast interview that I had with Rebecca that was released at the beginning of the month. I forget the exact episode I number. I think it was the 10th on October, or October. I'm already a month ahead. September 10th, I think. I right. will include a link to that in the show notes. Okay. <laughs> but um, I'll just touch on it again. And by saying that we're all constantly helping each other be better, I think that the podcast is a great example of that. Um, you can probably hear by our conversations that we're constantly learning from each other and showing our different opinions and viewpoints. And um, we share ideas, we ask questions, and we ask for feedback. And I think the biggest thing is that we all give and have ownership of everything that we do. So it's not just about like, oh, this is the thing that I am supposed to do and no one else cares about it. Um, that's not really how we work. And I think that's what makes us great. Definitely. Cool. I got one. So I have a friend who actually, she's still at the company and um, is in the top spot in uh, in sales on the team and uh, wasn't always that way. And she shared an amazing story, which uh, I got to share with you guys. Um, they had a process in the company where they would ask for information so they could from a prospect so they could uh, send that information to the back office, crunch some numbers and come back with an estimate of uh, what the energy saving would be. This is an energy saving company. And um, it just took a while to turn this around. And when she thought about it, she was thinking about losing momentum when she was with that person and wanted to see if there was some way to kind of appeal to instant gratification and give uh, some estimates right in the meeting. And so she invented what she called the model. And um, the model was a, an Excel spreadsheet 
and she was able to ask questions, plug in numbers, and literally have the spreadsheet calculate a uh, estimated serving, uh, serving savings. And um, she found that it shortened her sales cycle by about 50%. So back to the learning culture. How does that apply? She went back to um, the rest of the team on a conference call, shared how she was getting such success in, um, in the, with this new approach, and uh, other salespeople tried it. Not only did um, her numbers shoot up, but everybody else made their quarter. So That's cool. awesome. It's so cool when that happens, when someone finds something that really works and then says, hey, this really worked. You know, we do that a lot here with email templates, right? Right. And they don't keep it to themselves thinking, yeah. oh, this is my secret. I'm going to keep it to myself. I'll look good and let everybody else struggle. And not for awesome. nothing, you look better when you share it. Absolutely. You look like you you help the entire team be better. What else could you do to be better yeah, than that? People see you as a leader. Definitely. Definitely. Charles, you call it sharing your secret sauce. Yeah, I'll talk about that later on in this podcast. <laughs> Actually, Elizabeth, we should share the blog post we have about sharing your secret sauce because Charles mm -hmm. has a really cool video in that blog post that's about sharing your secret sauce. So, <laughs> Ariana, I have a visual for you. It's like a jar with like a marinara sauce. Yeah. It's making me hungry. <laughs> Same here. I just had a salad for lunch. It's small. Well, now you're going to have to have some secret sauce. <laughs> I think another, I'd like to share another cool story about an organization that we actually worked with at the beginning of this year. And I don't think that they knew what the term learning culture meant. It wasn't <laughs> something that was necessarily something that they practiced or thought about. It wasn't something they valued or thought was important at all. And they had sales reps that are scattered all over the U.S. And up until the sales training event that, that we went to, they didn't, some of these salespeople didn't speak to each other. They had never met before. They didn't have a way to communicate. They didn't do meetings or anything like that. And the thing that I love the most about CFS training curriculum is that it encourages this idea of learning culture very, culture very naturally. It's not even something that we always have to say verbally. I think that clients just get it intuitively once they start to go through the training and people are working together and then people get addicted from that collaborative, positive effect of working together, and it kind of just spawns something that keeps going. So what was really cool was this particular client, they were, the training itself was, in a sense, practicing this idea of learning culture, right? By yeah. hiring a firm to come in, mm -hmm. teach them how to do something. They, they were trying to do something, but what they ended up doing as a result was much more than they ever thought because they were able to get people together and get them excited about continuing to work together. And then after that, everyone's like, we, we buddy system, buddy systemed them up. And it was so cool to see what happened after that. I'm going to jam in another quick story. Because <laughs> okay. this is just I'll allow it. Too <laughs> so Ariana and I were on a sales call. And um, this person represented the company, head of sales, wanted a proposal for training. We lost the proposal. We didn't get the deal. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like moving on and Ariana actually said to me, why don't you call, this guy was so engaged, I'm sure he'd be willing to give feedback. Mm. And um, I emailed him and asked him if he'd be willing to take a call to discuss why we lost the deal, fully expecting that he'd probably say, sorry, I'll not even get back to me. Yeah. But no, he was as responsive as ever and said, fine, we set up a time, got on the phone. And he told me very clearly um, what it was about the other provider that they liked, what it was about our proposal that they didn't like. And um, 
that's something that I think not only for me oh that's a great uh, valuable but for the rest of the team for us to share that with each other yeah so that when we go into the next call uh, we can we can be aware of it um, definitely you know you really learn from some of this stuff. oh yeah we learn from our prospects and clients all the time right I mean we learned from someone on a demo we did pretty recently where we asked for feedback and they gave us some some advice and then we took it and now we're running with it absolutely uh, so incredibly important and all these different aspects of learning cultures um, and when I started thinking about a story I really thought back to a client that we had a quite a few years ago at this point um, and they exhibited a learning culture in a lot of different stages so before they had engaged us, they had a really passive reactive sales process. And they actually made the observation internally, we're not gonna be able to hit our goals if we continue the way we're, we're doing. Right there, that's a sign of learning. That's a sign of making a decision based on information. You kind of run the numbers, you run the stats. Um, we're not gonna be able to get to where we need to go if we keep going the way we're going. Mm -hmm. um, because they had that approach, they then, um, decided that they would um, figure out a plan for improving outbound selling. And that is why they engaged us. Um, and we were able to help them develop a process um, that would drive you know, outbound um, business development. And we kind of worked with them through that process. And that was um, that involved learning, involved getting the team involved in um, coaching, being held accountable, setting goals. All of that was a learning experience for everybody, and they all had to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. What was interesting was um, after we stopped working with them, and they, to see them continue that, that showed that they had invested and they had fully learned and adopted those practices, but then they applied that same approach in different areas of their business. So they built out a marketing program that had a similar process of learning, of seeking information, of identifying areas for improvement, resolving them. Um, they built out uh, a new offering and a new way of, of approaching the way they service clients. And all of it was um, built on the same principle of you identify a problem rather than just kind of make a random decision, you search for information, you figure out what what's the problem, what are the solutions. And, and to see that considered um, consistent approach has been really fun to just see the progress that they're making as they grow as, a, as an organization. Very cool. Definitely. Yep. So lots of different examples of um, ways that people create learning cultures and the ways learning cultures kind of come out in organizations. Um, we know that a lot of our listeners are sales leaders and leaders of other types. So we always like to kind of think about that audience in mind. And um, something that we're always thinking about are problems and challenges <laughs> because it's um, that's what we're looking to solve. So I'd love to hear from each of us some ideas of challenges that we see that sales leaders face as they're working to create learning cultures. So I think that one of the biggest here is buy-in. Mm. And in a blog article that I wrote recently, I posed it this way. Have you ever tried to get a two-year-old to do something they don't want to do? <laughs> the same thing happens whether you're two years old or 40 or 50 or 60 or 100 years old. Nobody likes to do what they don't want to do, especially if someone is telling them or forcing them. So it's about getting that buy-in from mm. your sales team because you, you don't want to be met with resistance that's a deterrent, right? That's going to prevent a learning culture from moving forward. So we always say and encourage that this is something that you should introduce to your team in a way that's asking for participation. Yeah. Instead of telling them, oh, you're going to be rolled into this great learning culture program. You're going to like it and you're going to deal with it and you're going to do all of this to instead say, 
hey, we're thinking about doing this. I'd love your feedback. I'd love your thoughts. I'd love you to be a part of this. Talking to your team rather than telling your team, I think it's going to get you a little bit further. Absolutely. based learning. <laughs> Definitely. Absolutely. And I, I want to jump in there. Um, we actually have a couple of ebooks that I'll include in the show notes that might help with that. One of them um, that Rebecca wrote, I think in January of this year, that talking about how change is an opportunity. Mm. And that can really help when you're thinking about buy-in. Definitely. Um, actually, probably I'm going to recommend three ebooks. Um, another one we maybe have on even, motivation. I was going to say maybe then we have one webinar. on um, on change management. So we're going to include all of those links in the show notes. Um, when you have a buy-in issue, when you have an issue of getting your team involved and engaged, you really need to think about how do they view change? How much is this change impacting them? Um, how are they motivated? Potentially even developing a change management approach. So I'll include all of those links in the show notes. Cool. Nice. Definitely important. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that it's important for people to become comfortable with change and all that kind of stuff in order yeah. to really continue with this stuff because if you've got people that just want to do, keep doing the same old thing that they've always done you're gonna have a hard time so that goes to exactly what i'm saying now um and i it's important to like denote the difference between upfront resistance like they don't want to do it your sales reps don't want to be a part of a learning culture and people who might not realize that they are being resistant if that makes sense so i kind of want to talk about how people tend to get stuck in their old ways um and there might be some lagging when you first get started so they might just not think about providing feedback or asking questions or taking risks because it's not something that they're used to doing um and it's not like they're going out of their way to make sure that they are not a part of the learning culture. It's more so that it's easy. It's hard to remember um, to do new things when you've been doing the same thing every day for the past year or longer. Absolutely. I one time um, implemented a new uh, technology platform. Actually, um, it was in the school that I had graduated from. Uh, I then worked in IT. And there were people, the system there had, was older than me at the time. I was, I think, 21. The system was maybe 22 or 23 years old. And there were people who had worked with that system that whole time. Um, and it's amazing how resistant they were to a very significant improvement. Um, but it's hard. Um, when people are, are kind of in that rut and in their comfort zone. And you don't realize how it. outdated or how not how not innovative. I don't know if yeah. it's a better <laughs> they, word. They had black screens with white text and right. they were resistant to like a user interface. My dad just sent me a picture today <laughs> to our family group chat of some some company in Philadelphia, that's where he works, had used, what's, what are like the switchboards that, that in like the... Oh, the old wires? Yeah, that they used to like stuff? transfer calls through. Yeah. A company was using that up until the 90s. <laughs> I forget which one, but he sent us a picture of this giant, clunky, ancient machine. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. That's why it's called a switchboard. Yeah. Literally, people were switching lines into uh, slots like uh, headphone jacks. It's crazy. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so inertia, crazy. definitely, yes. that's a challenge. <laughs> yes. So I think a big challenge, uh, I've got a theme running here, is... Um, couple of things. Ultimately, top salespeople not sharing the secret sauce. And I think I keep hearing when we're working with clients and we speak to some of these top performers because we want to leverage them to uh, help us because we have a train the train model, help us distribute some of the thought leadership in the, on the team. This notion is I don't have time. I don't have time to learn. It's like, okay, what are you spending your time on? And, and when we peel back the onion, we find most people are in a reactive emergency mode. It's not even about being thoughtful about making your numbers or anything. It's like this notion of, as I just don't have time. And uh, I think that's a big issue and a big challenge for sales leaders. Absolutely. 
Um, mine is kind of, I guess, a little bit of a different um, direction than than you guys were going, but I think it's kind of related. Um, in general, I think just culture change is hard. Um, and when you want to create a learning culture, that is a big change. And I think sometimes people almost swing too far um, in one direction. And, um, you know, to me, a big part of a learning culture is seeking out information to make good decisions. And I think it's easy to fall into the trap of perfection. Um, it is not possible to get all of the information. And it's not possible to know for certain that you're making the absolute best decision. Um, and organizations need to develop kind of systems and approaches to say, okay, this is how much information we're going to look for. And then we need to actually make a decision. Um, I think a lot of times as well, when you think about kind of personal development and personal growth, um, people could grow in a bazillion different ways. Um, it's not like there's just a very clear, each person needs to just, you know, um, fix this one area for improvement and suddenly they're perfect. And so you can get focused on kind of perfecting them, thinking of everything they need to learn and grow. What's the most relevant to their job? What's the most relevant to their day-to-day -day life? Mm -hmm. um, and staying focused on that, you know, um, not letting the perfect be the enemy of the good. I think when you're focused on developing a learning culture, trying to be, you know, make informationally based decisions, um, it's easy to just kind of go a little too far. <laughs> I think too, uh, to that point, Elizabeth, learning styles is important to consider as you're thinking about planning continued learning for your employees. You know, everybody learns in different ways. Right. Some people that the people listening to this podcast obviously are probably pretty auditory and they do well with, with hearing things. If you're not a good listener, you, you probably won't learn too much from a podcast. And you probably aren't hearing this. <laughs> and you probably aren't hearing this, exactly. <laughs> but those are just some things, you know, visual learners, there's kinesthetic learners, there's all kinds of different Absolutely. types of styles. It's just something to think about. Yeah, yeah. Leaders might be just approaching it in one way, and that might not be Yeah, maybe that's why it's teams. not working. Absolutely. Um, speaking of that, we've kind of gotten um, out of problems into into solutions, which is what we always <laughs> want to do, um, is turn problems into opportunities. So I'd love for each of us to share best practices that we have seen managers use to develop a learning culture. Why don't we start with you, Charles? Well, I'll tell you what I do when I'm working with uh, leaders and managers. First thing we like to do is assemble a team, and we also want to identify the top performers. And I know from having been doing this for a while that you're going to get some clients who are going to go along with the program willingly and some who go kicking and screaming. So I'm going to talk about the kicking and screaming <laughs> part. Um, you know, you've got a, a bunch of top performers and again, what's in it for me? Why should I take the time to transfer knowledge and, and help develop a learning culture? And I think the explanation that we usually give is um, to kind of visualize, and I talked about it earlier, this jar of secret sauce. If you're a top performer and you've got this jar of secret sauce, I think, and, and, and obviously I say this to them and hope they discover that the worst thing to do is to hold on to it. Why? It gets stale. Uh, after a while, it's no longer as good as it was. And so to preserve your jar of secret sauce, you've got to kind of keep getting more secret sauce. So what do you have to do? Well, you have to empty out your jar to make room for more stuff, more sauce. Emptying out your jar is transferring that knowledge. And so what I call that is the wheel of innovation. It's like if I give it away, I have room to learn new stuff so I can give that away. And it's a sort of um, loop, you know, it's like I empower others 
so I can make room for myself to get re-empowered. And I have to say, after that conversation, it may not be just one conversation, it may take time, and we may have to reinforce it a few times, but I think when people actually engage in that practice, we find that a lot of these initial objections about, I don't have time, I'm too busy selling, why should I teach other people, that sort of drops away, and, and we find it actually gets met with, um, with good results. Definitely. So I'll add to that. Um, I think that a best practice is also using your team as a resource, but more so in the sense of um, figuring out what your team thinks of your current culture. And I talk about this in my ebook um, pretty extensively, actually, but it's definitely a good idea to survey your team before you try to roll anything out, because that's the only way you'll know what your current stance is and where you need to go moving forward. Otherwise, you might have a completely different perception of where your culture is versus what your sales reps think your culture is. Absolutely. Um, and that's why it's important to at least start there. Definitely. A lot of times we see um, major disconnects. Yeah. And if you um, think you're implementing a program um, and your employees are kind of in one state and they are not, um, it's not <laughs> going to work. Definitely. All right. So best practices for managers to use to develop a learning culture. How about Engaging in sales training. Having a sales playbook. <laughs> there you go. I think that uh, sales training is a great first step. It's going to get everybody together, kind of kick off this idea of continued development. If you're not already doing sales trainings, or if you are already doing sales trainings, what are you doing in between those sales trainings to continue the development? And the su second suggestion that I'm going to give you for that <laughs> is to invest in a digital sales playbook. Of course, I have to give a plug to our own digital sales playbook. It's called Calavia, and that's a combination of the words collaborate and via. So it's the way to collaborate. That's literally what it is intended to do is for salespeople to collaborate together to be the best salespeople of all time. So I think that those are two places to start in, in the beginning is make sure that you're doing sales training on a continued basis so that everyone is learning. Bring in outside people that are outside your firm to bring in outside insights. Have people inside your firm share their winning stuff. You know, it's it's about getting everybody together and you pushing know, that message forward. It's funny because I want to add to that. You just made me think of something. When it comes to transferring knowledge, you know, I've been talking about salespeople, but you know, how about sales trainers transferring knowledge? Like yeah. sales trainers, I find the best trainings usually are when the client brings in someone to co-facilitate with me, that it's not all down to me or to you, Rebecca, because mm -hmm. you do a lot of training and you also, Elizabeth. So it's like, isn't it great when we get someone to actually collaborate in developing the curriculum? Oh, definitely. In delivering the curriculum and yeah. making sure it sticks because if the trainer holds on to that secret source, mm -hmm. the moment they leave, there's this big vacuum. But if it's gotten transferred early and there's collaboration, um, there's a, there's a better chance that it's going to get adopted. Definitely. I want to throw something out to, um, to add in the show notes. We've got a resource that includes sales training topics, mm. and it has tons and tons. I think it's over 100 different options for ideas for sales training that you mm -hmm. can do. So you might want to check that out. But then, well, I've got training coming up. <laughs> but then also, you know, I want to jump back to this idea of the sales playbook and collaboration because a playbook is going to allow people to really talk to each other and share those ideas. You know, we have your success stories page, you have the forum option where people can really collaborate. So it's just about keeping the momentum going. 
Definitely. And not for nothing, if you are trying to like create an entirely new culture, it's probably a lot easier to have a third party come in and kind of mediate because I don't know, it might even be hypocritical. Like there might be like weird politics involved in rolling out a learning mm-hmm. culture where nice. you you need to bring in like consultants or whatever the case might be to kind of get your team on board. I feel like that Definitely. would help with resistance. Can just Definitely. kind of provide that push. Yeah. Definitely. Um, When I was looking for best practices um, that I've seen managers use, I I couldn't help myself. I have two. Um, (laughs) So the first one is to just look at um, look at your organization, look at processes, look at systems, look at even offerings, and look at where you're making decisions based on unquestioned assumptions. Unquestioned assumptions are terrible. <laughs> they are not a source of information. And that's a sign that you have to have a plan to get information so that you can either validate or challenge those assumptions. And that is a learning culture. That's being open to learn, being open to change, um, being open for feedback. And so just look for those unquestioned assumptions. Um, the second good practice, um, and this is just really specifically in your organization and how you set things up, is to think of a performance management approach that values results rather than activity or personality. Um, You don't want to, just Ariana was just saying, um, you don't want to get caught up in politics. You don't want to get caught up in this is the manager's favorite person. Um, So their ideas are always respected, but this other person is less popular. Um, Think about, um, you know, performance evaluations that you're having, making sure that you're evaluating people based on the results of the work that they do, and creating those internal paths for feedback. Because um, if information can flow inside your organization, you'll all learn from each other. Definitely. So we kind of started talking about salespeople, and salespeople are another great um, source of listeners for us. We always love our salespeople listeners and the feedback we get from them. So I'd love for uh, each of us to share an idea of what salespeople can do to be part of an effective learning culture, and I will get us started. Um, To me, it's just really important in a learning culture that everyone is invested in doing their part. And that means that people have to be committed to personal and professional growth. So as a sales rep, what are you doing to learn and grow? Um, Listening to this podcast is a sign that you are looking to learn and grow. You know, are you reading blog posts? Are you searching for sources of information? Whatever it might be. Um, Kind of what Ariana was talking about earlier, not being too attached to this is the way we've always done things. So this is the way we're always going to keep doing them. Um, Being open to challenging ideas, challenging processes, knowing that there's always room for improvement and that being challenged is not a bad thing. Um, You know, to me, for salespeople, it's really just all about the mindset. Yeah, and I'll add on with a couple of snippets of advice on how salespeople can kind of embed themselves into a learning culture. And I'll start by saying that they shouldn't be afraid to take risks and question how to do things. And if other team members aren't on board with learning culture, they can help them get there. Um, They can do it by being a mentor or kind of taking new sales reps under their wing. Um, And I think it's really important, too, to mention that your feedback is probably the most important, especially mm-hmm. to your managers and to their managers and their managers and all the way up to the top because um, if they don't know if something's wrong, they can't really make it better for you. Definitely. And vice versa. So, mm-hmm. yeah, point. for sure. I'd say another thing for salespeople to just, this actually goes right along with what Elizabeth was saying, is just be proactive. If you, if you listen to an amazing podcast or you read a great sales blog or you come across a great article, share it with your team. Send it to, to everybody. Post it in your sales playbook on your forums. Collaboration and sharing are really what's going to drive success for everyone. And if you've got if you're if you're one of those people that wants to grow and wants to learn and develop, 
share the things that you are learning and it will take you even further. And then the other person on the other end or all of the people hopefully will come back to you with other ideas and things that they come across. So it kind of is, it has a circular effect to it. Definitely. I'd say for salespeople, um, develop personal relationships with other parts of the organization. Because if you just focus on working with your peers, you're kind of preaching to the choir. Right. That's a great point, Charles. Yeah, people in marketing, people in operations, you'd be amazed. I am. Every time it's happened and every time I see it, other people outside of sales who mm-hmm. have some input in what's going on with clients can oftentimes bring a really great, fresh perspective to stuff. So You made me think of, so when I used to work in the restoration slash insurance industry, mm-hmm. and I worked for a restoration company and I was selling, I used to go to the guys, the technicians that were actually going to the jobs. Yeah. And I would say, all right, my, you know, this agent referred me this job. Can you tell me about it? Right. And they would tell me about it. And then I would say, all right, now, can you teach me something? Like, what can you teach me here? And they would always teach me something technical that I didn't know before. So whether it was, well, we use a humidifier to determine this, or we use this piece of equipment to do this or that. They were always teaching me the back end and how the jobs were actually done. And that helped me when I went back to my referring customer, essentially, to say, yeah, we took care of that job and we actually did this and this led to this. And I was able to help pass that knowledge from him over to the agent. And it was just this really, really cool thing. And that never would have happened had I just said, I'm just going to go sell this. And I don't care about the, you know, how did the, how the job went. Definitely. It's so important, um, like you were saying, Charles, just to learn from other departments. um, And and that's such a great example in your story, Rebecca, because so often sales is in kind of a silo. And then they're not learning from the organization and the organization isn't learning from them. And so if you really want that learning culture, you need to break down those silos. The unfortunate thing is that you might end up learning some things that you didn't want to know and end up like (laughs) me. And now I walk around and I'm like, oh, my God, there's mold in here. This building (laughs) is garbage. I need to get out of here. You're an expert. It's terrible. And it, I can't be with anyone in my family because we're all like that since we are in that industry and somebody's so, like so looking at the ceiling. You ask for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be careful what you ask for. You might Definitely. learn some learning, learning is dangerous. <laughs> all right. Uh, watching the time, I think this is our last question. So what's one piece of actionable advice um, for each of us to share that our listeners can apply today to create a learning culture? I will keep it brief. Build a process for your organization that's around learning culture. We have written a ton of great how-to articles on how to build a process and how to build a learning culture and foster learning culture on the blog. So check that out. And oh yeah, uh, Ariana, she wrote an ebook about it too. So we've given you so many resources in this episode. You might as well just go to our resource page and download all of them. (laughs) Just be completely overwhelmed with all of the learning uh, pieces that you would learn. Definitely would learn. Um, I am going to go back to something I said earlier as well. Um, Look for a place where you are making those decisions based on those terrible, 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 unquestioned assumptions and challenge those assumptions. You will likely be surprised by what you learn. There might be some that are correct and you can keep going the way you've always gone. And there will probably be some things that you've been doing the same way forever. And it is the absolute worst thing to do. And you make that change and you'll see crazy results. (laughs) So going off of that, my piece of advice would be the next time you make a phone call or you send an email, do something you've never done before, say something you've never said before, and just try to make it different. 
cool. Get involved in blogging or contribute to others who are developing content because that helps you crystallize your thinking, clarify, and if you want to take a page out of CFS's book, get a couple of whiteboards. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to write on our blog, we are always accepting guest bloggers, so we'll include a link to that in the show notes as well. I am frantically taking notes on all of these things that are going to be in the show notes. You guys make me have the most complicated show notes. You guys really seriously need to check these out. There's always a list of like 10,000 resources. We're we're a little too good at plugging our own stuff. Um, But uh, that is the show. So thank you so much for listening to Let's Talk Sales. You can find the notes for today's show with all of those notes and resources at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod eight. On next week's show, we will be talking to Jacqueline Wales of DX Learning Solutions. So we're kind of continuing that conversation on learning, even though next week it's going to be October. And she is a coach. (laughs) She is definitely. And she's great. You will learn some things. She's awesome. She is. Um, In the meantime, stay tuned for this Friday's inspiration, where I will be sharing a powerful quote from Bryant McGill. Beginning next month, we will be writing about sales management on the CFS blog. You can check that out at criteriaforsuccess.com slash blog. Charles will be releasing a new ebook, and we are super excited to share that with you. <laughs> and next month, by the way, because there are um, it's a long month, we will be hosting another special Q&A episode of the podcast where we will respond to your questions about sales management, as well as any other topics that you'd like to ask about. You can submit your questions by emailing us at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com or tagging us on social media with the hashtag AskCFS. If you want to hear yourself on the show, you could record a quick voice memo and email it to us. Probably keep that to maybe a minute or two. Um, and that's a way to hear a different voice on the podcast, which can be kind of fun. Hey, if you're a sales manager, please send us your questions. We please. want to know what you're struggling with because we can help. We can talk about it. We can survey the universe. It's Absolutely. all about a learning culture. <laughs> it is. So we please. We need more problems. Questions. <laughs> podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com or hashtag AskCFS. If you are enjoying the show, please recommend us to a friend and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you find your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and a review. This will help more people find the show and it lets us know what's working and where to improve. That's part of our learning culture. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at let's underscore talk underscore sales. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Rebecca Toomey, Ariana Miskell, and me, Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling!